1: Podcast is with quarterback technician Will Hewlett. Will is somebody I met in 2009, and we developed a relationship. And each year at this time, we get together and talk about quarterback play and some of the techniques that he sees in developing quarterbacks. And today's podcast is one of our first ones uh, from 2017—the first time Will and I did a podcast together. It gives updates every year, and we're going to have him on later this week with an update. But uh, this is one you want to listen to if you're a quarterback coach. And if you care about how players are developed, he has a lot of great thoughts on coaching skill. Will, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, Coach. Let's get into your background and you know what was it that made you want to be a football coach?
0: You know, the the funny thing was, I, I initially had, as a player, had never any intention of coaching. Uh, you know, I even told myself, I'm always just a player. I'll never be a coach. But then I quickly found myself as I I finished up my uh, uh, my football career uh, as, a, as an arena two backup quarterback and and realized uh, two years after finishing up, I need to get back involved in the game. So I did everything I could to then uh, find a way to get involved with football again. And, and it, it, it happened from a, a place I was working. There was a young man who was a, a high school quarterback and his mom was like, why don't you come over and help coach my kid? And I... I did about three lessons with the kid of just, just some technical stuff and quickly realized I didn't understand anything I did as a player and, and couldn't really coach it. So I, I looked, you know, kind of partner or find someone that could help me um, become a better coach. And that was kind of the inspiration initially for me jumping into the coaching industry. And I kind of just grew from there that was about 10 years ago.
1: So where did you get your start, you know, coaching and training? Well, at first I
0: thought I was going to be a high school coach in Florida and I, I realized that uh, financially uh, it was going to be a little bit tough for me to make ends meet doing that. Not being a teacher, uh, it was going to be difficult to dedicate the time. So my high school coach recommended I contact a guy by the name of Darren Slack, who was based out of Orlando, and he ran a, a quarterback academy. And it was a funny conversation. My, my high, I told my high school coach, hey, coach, I'm going to start my own quarterback academy. And this is about 2005. And he's like, that's awesome, uh, but no one's going to go to it. Uh, you know <laughs> who the hell will heal uh, it and it stung me you know it stung me but I, I realized it was like you're you're right uh so he hooked me up with darren and uh and, and that kind of uh opened up the the doors to a, a not a traditional route I would say ten years ago to getting into coaching um, I think most people go the other way now quarterback coaching and the private industry is, is more popular. But back then, uh, Darren Slack was my initial, uh, introduction to, to coaching.
1: What things were you able to learn with Darren that have helped you obviously break out on your own?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing I'll always be thankful for Darren. And I think it, it, it's funny because it kind of resonated in my sales career, you know, the, 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 I always ask the question why, and, um, I think that's the approach and the philosophy that Darren had as a coach, and it really differentiated himself. Um, and at times, it would alienate him early on because it wouldn't accept the the way that it's always been done. And and so by by having the well, why do you do what you do? Uh, question and and how you teach what you teach, and and asking that and and applying that to every uh, coaching you know problem or uh, technique or anything has really you know, been the, the, the key ingredient in any success that I've had and, and that philosophy to you know, to the the day I stop coaching will always be the number one thing why uh, why, and how, uh, and ask those questions constantly.
1: In your role now, obviously, during the season, I think you get to be around a lot of programs and observe what's happening in those yeah. programs. What do you see uh, for those programs that are successful as, as the keys to their success? You know, we, we have coaches on the show, and they talk about their culture and yeah. the things they do, but I'm sure as an outsider, you get to get a different perspective of that. Tell us what you've seen there. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's it's the 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 one thing that I've seen that all successful, and this is the you know if you were to to nail it down, like what could you identify as the one thing that separates winners from losers? And uh, the one thing that I've uh, been completely blown away by at times is the willingness of a guy that's won four state championships in a row to start the off season uh, back at scratch, and what can I learn to make my season better. The next season is better. Where can I improve? So Coach Jones out in uh, in Arkansas, uh, Greenwood, Arkansas, you know, uh, he's won many state championships out there in Greenwood. Uh, every offseason, he starts like he's a student, bringing in, you know, experts and, and outsiders in the industry and going around and learning on better ways to do things. And and that is the, the constant thing that I've noticed. The great programs are willing to go outside their comfort zone and improve in areas that, you know, they think they were deficient in, even if they won the state championship. You know, and and that's that's uh, that's a constant right there. So the willingness to learn, I think, is is a big separator. You never have it all figured out.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a key. And speaking of comfort zone, people yeah. in in on your side of the the coaching business, guys who are trainers only, seem to get vilified a little bit by coaches. Sure. There's there's an uneasiness. You know, let's be honest. There's an uneasiness yeah. between between a, a high school coach and and you where, you know, that guy has yep. to turn his guy over to you. Are you going to teach the, the things I want you to teach, etc. cetera? Uh, can you talk a little yep. bit about, about that, what you've seen on, on your side of the industry? And, you know, obviously I think there's mm-hmm. the guys who do it right. And I think there's guys who take advantage yep. of parents' willingness to shell out all kinds of money to help their kids. What, totally. you know, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. I, 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 so I wholeheartedly agree. And, and I, 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 put, I always try to put myself in the, the position of, of a high school coach or a college coach or any, any type of coach, um, that, that has, uh, a philosophy, a system that they're trying to communicate to an athlete. And, and how would you like it if someone came in in, in, any, in any other industry, you know, to one of your employees or, uh, and said okay well I want you to do your job this way um, from an outside consulting source and um, even if the outside source has a better way of doing it or uh, you know maybe has a little more experience uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good fit for the system so the big thing that I've always tried to do is is not replace a high school quarterback coach not replace the high school offensive coordinator you know I, I've stayed true to I'm going to help the, the the athletes uh improve from a technical standpoint on things that you know generally most coaches don't have the time to work on um or maybe the experience to to improve that athlete in, in that capacity those are things that i focus on it, it's really you know my 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 job my industry um the way I look at it is is completely different from what a high school quarterback coach should do. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a, I, I'm a technician. I'm a throwing coach. Uh, I'm a mechanics coach. Uh, I'm not a, a true quarterback coach by any means. Um, I think a quarterback coach connects technique with a philosophy. And then within that system, uh, helps, you know, improve and, and, and give feedback on errors that, that, a, that a player is going to make without being in that system. I think it's very difficult for an outsider to, to give feedback, you know, even on if it's a progression or something. I think you can certainly educate, uh, athletes, um, on areas that they can improve if they're not getting the feedback, uh, from, from the high school coach or college coach or whatever it is, but trying to replace them, you know, you're kind of going down a, a sticky slope that I don't think is, uh, is something that you should do. And you now I've got a lot of great relationships out here with high school and, and college coaches that, that, you know, trust me with you know athletes that they're affiliated with. And, you know, that's taken many years to, to get there. And it's been through uh, making sure again, that I'm just assisting in the process. Now that's I think the best way to, to describe the, the, that relationship between us.
1: And obviously, you know, as a coach, I'd want to see that kind of philosophy in in, you know, uh, what I would get out of a, a guy who's who's training our quarterbacks in yeah. the off season. So, you know, what can that coach yeah. expect? That kid comes into you you know what are the things he's going to see when he comes back to the coach? What things are you going to develop as a, a trainer, quarterback? You know, in mechanics.
0: The things that I've noticed in the industry, and and I had this a uh, uh, professor from uh, San Diego State. Um, and it, it, I had a, a conference call with him, trying to understand uh, biomechanics a little bit better a couple of years ago. His description was that most kids that are going to come into you are going to want you to add something to their game. You know, add on velocity or get better at this, et cetera. He's like, the reality is, is ninety percent of the work you're going to be doing is going to be undoing poor poorly coached technique so initially i think the best description of what i'm doing is i'm getting kids back into a more of a natural throwing state throwing overhead throwing goes back thousands of years you know it's, it's how we used to hunt for our food and uh, a lot of errors that you see in quarterbacks and throwing athletes are taught in whether it's by the uh the over uh the the motivated father uh, that you know wants to uh, turn his kid into Peyton Manning at, at eight years old, you know, they ingrain uh, poor habits in, in their uh, neurological pathways that uh, you know control the throw. Or it's uh, the the um, the coach that's that you know hanging on to something from 1999 that quarterback coaches used to teach that still thinks, well, this is the way to do it because it gets the ball out faster. So. If a quarterback's going to come and work with me in the off-season, within the coach's rule book. So that I always ask the kid, well, what is your coach? What is he? What must you do that he, that he wants you to do? And then what do we have freedom to work on? So I'm trying to put them in the most natural, efficient throwing state possible. So a lot of that's unlearning initially, um, and then it's uh, you know tweaking and rewiring their their operating system for. How they go through, um, you know, preparatory movements in the in, in quarterback play and and the throwing action. So it, it's and then educating in them and arming them with that information so they can help continue to grow beyond there. And you just kind of give them a framework uh, within their throwing mechanics and and uh, drop mechanics and movement mechanics that help them continually improve. But it's getting them, you know, at a very creative, natural, fluid state uh, where they can adapt and and make. Uh, make plays on on the on the on the move. I think I think most kids operate. Most high school quarterbacks operate on probably 70% of their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's not that I'm going to make them a superstar. It's that I'm going to help them reach their their full potential um, as a, as a throwing athlete.
1: And that's kind of where it ends for you. Is is working on the throwing part. I mean, you're really not going to get into here's how you read a defense or you right. know those kinds of things. That's that's up to the quarterback coach, the coordinator. Sarah.
0: It it should be. And and I would say that I, I if if you're spending money with me, you know, my area of expertise is is the biomechanics of, of the quarterback position. I have a very basic and you know, decent understanding of of offensive play and, and defensive play. And so, if the kid is going from a transitional point, maybe he's going from youth football to high school, or he's coming out of high school and going to college, or going from college to the professional ranks. You know, my job is to help kind of bridge the gap and then get them up to speed in certain areas. I would say that, you know, 10% of what I do, um, I, I never, I, I don't consider myself an expert on x's and o's and 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 uh don't want to be right now uh so but yeah there's certainly a little bit there down when you got to bridge the gap where there's a deficiency in in maybe coaching
1: now i know before we started talking we mentioned a little bit about the dark side of viewer industry speak a little bit about that and some things you see, and i guess maybe some bad practices that kind of give guys like you a bad name
0: you know, I think, I think there's a lot of things that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a fancy industry. It's a lot of wow and fluff. And, and you know, I, 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 my, my training is driven by the law of specificity. What that means is the further a drill wo- moves away from the actual skill itself, right? So the, the, the more iterations you go away from the actual core skill that you're trying to get better at, the less impactful that drill is. And, and so if you want to get better at, at throwing the football you need to practice throwing the football and, and that seems like well yeah well that's just that's really simple i mean that's a profound statement everyone knows that but if if we're trying to get be better at throwing and delivering the ball introducing too many variables in that action or you know making it too disjointed or or something that's not like the actual action itself you start to move away and and get better stuff that's nothing you know that has no connection with the actual activity itself Now i understand sometimes you have to break things down and to work on individual pieces but i always look at coaching like you have to you know if you can coach in the most broad simple brushstrokes as, as possible to make the the, the experience easy and quicker and more of a smooth transition for a kid that's making change you, you see a lot of a lot of coaches doing activities in, in sand or on ladders. And, you know, I, I haven't seen any scientific studies to say that that helps improve quarterback play. I do know that you start to dig into other energy systems when you move past that 10 second, eight second aerobic threshold. And so fatigue is is a massive issue when you're trying to improve skill, it's the enemy of skill acquisition. And and so I'm very careful with the choices I make when I'm trying to work on a very precise activity with a kid that, you know, it may not be the most exciting or marketable training, but it's certainly gonna get you better. And so keeping it simple and, and sticking to that, I think is, is key. And and I think a lot of coaches get carried away by what they see on social media. And, you know, you still have to be creative as a coach and think of better ways to do things. And, you know, I've made plenty of stupid mistakes as a coach and, you know, trying to be impressive and, and realize, well, wow, that actually doesn't help the kid get any better. So I think that I thing you see is that just people get carried away with stuff that's not important. That doesn't get them better. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's an issue people aren't asking why they do what they do they just see someone else doing it and then copy it yeah, that's, that's ludicrous to me it is anyway
1: you mentioned having to undo some some bad training that's something that you're mm-hmm. faced with in, in helping these guys fix their mechanics etc etc and i i don't think coaches are obviously doing things intentionally to uh to mess up mechanics it's or anything like mm-hmm. that, but I also believe there's so much. You know, you just talked about the information you get mm-hmm. on YouTube or social media, whatever. That there's so much out there that coaches get a little overwhelmed in what is the important things and what should they be doing yeah. to teach the proper mechanics. I guess what are what are maybe the top two or three things you see that if if the coach just knew this little point uh, point in teaching it, mm-hmm. it would help yeah. improve those players, and and then you could focus not on on training guys, but just getting that other thirty percent out of them that you mentioned—that you know they're yeah. leaving on the table.
0: So I, I think that maybe the first thing is just the philosophy that a lot of coaches get caught up in is that more is better. Or, or the, the concept of template coaching, the uh, so template coaching is when you take an expert at something and you lay that you take their template and you lay it over someone else and you say you're going to look just like this. And so some examples of that in the industry have been the wide base. So having a wider base is, is certainly beneficial for quarterbacks. To, to maneuver in the pocket and to be in a position to pull the trigger a little bit quicker on certain throws. But you can see, like a guy like Lamar Jackson, who has no concept of a wide base, is possibly going to win the Heisman Trophy. Now he's not; he's got room for improvement as a passer and a thrower. But what happens is coaches take things that are popular or have been discovered in an industry, and they just that's all they do. Um, so you have these kids that come out where their bases are, you know, three times wider than they need to be, or you know, the pre-pass position where the, the carriage of the football, generally speaking, most kids are going to carry the, the, the football in a relatively natural position to uh, initiate the, the sequence of the throw, you know, modifying that um, into a position that makes the release quicker or, or more efficient is, is generally um, just not beneficial. Uh, you know, the greatest example of that, as Aaron Rodgers and his collegiate free pass position and and now in the NFL is completely in a in a relaxed, you know, lower carriage and you know you could argue that his release is as quick if not the quickest there is out there and and efficient and and uh you know effective um and even if you speak to Jeff Tedford who who was his coach and I spoke to him personally and and he now goes well you know I don't teach that anymore that was something that and you know that's, that's the sign of a good coach right a guy that's you know hey I did this and now I don't um I thought it was the way to to, to make kids better and 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 so you see these little things in, and in the industry and they go boom and they get carried away and then every every coach in America is teaching it Without asking, well, why does it actually make it any better? So taking a concept going too far with it, you know, the elevated pre path. And then I think there's to I- ID, you know, one more specific thing that coaches over coach. I-, I would maybe approach it this way. when When you're looking for a kid to be your quarterback, if there's substantial biomechanical changes that have to be made in the delivery to make them efficient, then they're probably not the right fit for the position at that time. So you want to look for a kid that's got more of a natural delivery, and then just give them a framework of very simple things within your system. You know, don't coach the creativity out of their play by giving these hard and steadfast rules of you got to hold the ball exactly here. You know, every kid's just a little bit different, so you've got to have some um, flexibility. And hey, there's certain things that you know you can't get away with. But think there's a lot of things that are just blown out of proportion that coaches are gonna. You know, it's my way, my way of the highway that really in the long term don't don't matter they just don't they just don't matter and, and that's what i most commonly see is just just a maybe it's a, a mindset of of coaching that you know it's, it's got to be done this way and if it isn't it's wrong if you just see the differences in all the the professional quarterbacks and college quarterbacks out there and guys that have success that look completely different there's some things at the core that are the same but there's other stuff that are just they're evolving every game and every season with new stuff
1: and and that is you know a challenge for coaches. You mentioned mm-hmm. Coach Tedford, and you know for us, we spend so much time, especially once we hit the season, on having to coach the game plan, the scheme, decision making. Yep. That mechanics take a little bit of a back seat. I know mm-hmm. when I coached quarterbacks at at Baldwin Wallace University that I had to spend. 10 to 15 minutes getting those guys out on the field early and working them through yeah. our specialist period in order to get our daily yep. mechanics work in. So what would be your recommendation totally. and, and at least my philosophy I, I should preface it by saying was that's going to be my time really to work on mechanics because the rest of the time is going to be more of a focus on the mental aspect of the game and what we're working. But I need every day to provide that fundamental skill that keeps them, you know, I- improving yeah. or at, at least maintaining good mechanics that we you know we have to do that mm-hmm. every single day what would be a set of drills you know if a coach has 10 to 15 minutes a day a set of drills you know I know you say keep it simple a set of drills that's mm-hmm. going to work the mechanics yeah. for him every day
0: absolutely so I, I would preface by saying that the quarterback position um, is built in the off season, and and so What's in season is just slow regression as a technician, but improvement for feel and the tactical side of the game. Right, so you see kids get a little bit sloppy as the season goes on, and in most programs they get a little sloppy in areas, but they start becoming more intuitive in other areas, which is you know direct relationship to the structure of practice and and just being in in the in the zone and in, in the um, so there's that. Big picture. I think to help the kids maintain, you know, quality mechanics through the season, you have to stick to your guns and you can't, you gotta have time to do the little things. You gotta make time to do the little things, uh, because, you know, what's the point of doing them in the first place if you're not gonna keep it up? I think the sequence that I go through with with quarterbacks to help them sustain consistency through the season and and not uh, regress as a passer. It's funny. I, I never thought I would train quarterbacks in season and in my job. I work with a lot of kids now that I've had a relationship for a long time with on 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 the weekend on a Sunday, and it'll be for just like a little tune-up. But the sequence I think that's really important is that you start off in some kind of throw warm-up where you're starting at five, five yards, you're working back to 10. And then when you get to about 10 yards, that throw, you know, starts to look more, you know, step and throw. And then uh, the last two steps of, of, a, of a drop, I think are the most important two steps in any drops. And, you know, a lot of guys are done now. Um, so those last two steps are the first two steps, but I like to work a lot of crossover plant, you know, left over right for right-handed quarterbacks and then plant and throw. And just maintaining, keep the focus 100% on being technical. Don't make them think about making a read. Don't make them think about any of that stuff. Let them focus on the mechanics itself. So they build up this little routine uh, that gives them a comfort zone. And you stretch that out to you know 15, 20 yards, and then you start to integrate some planned movements. Whether it's you know just minor pocket movements that you know go off of stimulus from your hand or whatever it is, but just kind of progress from the most simplest state you know maybe that's facing your your partner and throwing and then step and throw crossover plant throw crossover plant hitch throw uh, crossover plant move throw and then um, start to jump into, Whatever your quick game sequence is, your intermediate game sequences in terms of your drops, and then I like to like to have quarterbacks throw on. The, I always I think it's important to have two types of throwing on the run. So one is that planned run where they're going to be able to attack the target a little more aggressively. You know, come downhill to the throw. But I also think a really good drill keep keep guys um, in a, in a good state is to have them run lateral you know, parallel to the goal line and throw across their body left and right. I think that's a a really good sequence to help, you know, them continually build and and keep the movement throws in the right position as well. Uh, You know, it's going to be between six and seven out of 10 snaps. You're going to have some kind of pressure. So any kind of movement sequence that you can create uh, that you're comfortable doing, it's just, it's a matter of continually doing that. So I don't think there's any magical drill or, magical way of of doing it is just keeping it focused on the technical side. Don't get caught up in the tactical side until you're in team and seven on seven, you know, and, and letting your, your kids get that every day and whether it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes, that time is paramount to their success um, throughout the season. I do see a lot of, because guys are so gun focused now, uh, the rhythm of a three-step or a five-step drop, I think is a lost art. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know guys are, you know, I, I think there's nothing better than a five-step drop on rhythm um, in terms of not even for the, the drop itself, just for the, the stress that puts on the body to transfer your weight into a throw, I think it's a fantastic drill. So I think having under techniques techniques is always helpful for kids as well.
1: Definitely. Now, the reality of of coaching quarterbacks is we yeah. are limited in the time we could spend we're limited at the yeah. high school level at the college level where we're limited even more by the NCA and what sure. we can do. So there is a, a ton of value for uh, a quarterback yeah. to go out and get training from someone else. What yeah. what could you do to help our coaches to you know, I mean maybe some questions they should ask or the key things yeah. they need to look for when helping their quarterback yeah. or their quarterback's family find a good trainer for him for the off season.
0: Well, I think I think there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, and the thing about playing quarterback is that it's it's a 12 month commitment, and that doesn't mean you've got to throw 365 days a year. I, I think if you're going to compete at a high level, you got to Throw more than everybody else and that, that means you know spending a lot of time doing it now you know tiger woods still has a, a swing coach um throwing under a a, a trained eye in the off season, i think is a fantastic tool and i think everyone should do it so i think you as a parent you've got to kind of see okay well what do i want to get out of this and for a lot of the college guys or professional guys, it's like they're not looking for someone to teach them how to throw the football or teach them how to throw routes. They're looking for someone to give them a little bit of feedback. So I think generally speaking, some of the questions you could ask as a coach or as a parent are, uh, what's your, you know, ask them what their philosophy on, on, you know, on quarterback coaching is. Are they a highly technical coach? Are they going to try and reinvent the wheel? Or are they just some guys are just drill and rep guys, and they're happy to admit that. And those situations are very, very good for someone that's in a in a position where they don't need any um, mechanical adjustments made. They just need reps, and they need um, little bits of feedback to help them progress. And and maybe that's simply a coach that likes to film and use you know video so that the player can can give feedback. So if you're looking, you know, for that extra 5% improvement in mechanics, then I think you've got to ask one of the dangerous questions to ask is who have you worked with? And I think we can get very quickly caught up. Well, if you've worked with this, this play, let's look at the reality of most NFL quarterbacks. The guys in the NFL are not going to – no one makes them NFL quarterbacks except for their mom and dad's DNA. The, you have all the training in the world. It doesn't bridge the gap from making someone not an NFL quarterback to an NFL quarterback. Now, if you're an NFL quarterback, you're an NFL quarterback, whether you've got horrendous mechanics or you've got great mechanics. It's how efficient you're going to be. Is where a coach can impact you, right? So there's no coach out there that's going to take someone from being a, a, a kid and making them, you know, reach all their dreams because it's a magic coach. What we do is, you know, maybe this kid's on the edge of being a division one quarterback and you bump them over with, um, you know, technical things. There was a kid I worked with years back who, you know, ended, ended up signing with a, a major PAC 12 school. And there's a good chance he was going to get moved to a different position. And it simply was all he was doing incorrectly was holding the ball wrong. And so he couldn't throw a spiral and his coach was going to move the defensive back. And I came, you know, he worked with me and and it was literally a five minute change and, you know, a little bit of instruction on some other things that were minor. And I just, you know, open the door for him to then reach his full potential. And he goes on, you know, two years later and signs a major scholarship. But find out what the coach is about. Like, what what are they looking to do? Are they just a rep guy, a drill guy? Uh, they look, some guy, you know, some, if, they, if they're, they're going to be heavy on the mechanical side, well, then I think you drill them, up, you know, to have them explain what and how and why they teach. And if it's one layer deep, if it's like, well, I just teach this because that's how they do it in the NFL, then that's the wrong guy. You know, you've got to have, you know, some kind of scientific or uh, biomechanical explanation behind why you teach what you teach. Uh, I think that's a pretty safe way to do it. I do think it's great to work with someone, but um, you got to vet vet the process and work with a couple different guys at first to see who you like. You know, and I tell all my kids, listen, if, if you can find somewhere better, go. <laughs> because, uh, you know, my, I don't have an ego in this. My ego, ego is to be the best coach in the world, but I want to know if I'm not. So if someone else is doing it better, i got more learning- to do. That's, that's the you know, important. If, if a coach is going to get all bent out of shape, if you're going to go try to work with someone else um, to get some more information, maybe that's a good sign that that's the wrong guy.
1: Well, Coach, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to share these ideas with us. I do think it's very important that quarterbacks are developed year round yeah. and that coaches don't feel that uh, they're having their toes stepped on. So there is, there is definitely a, a relationship that needs to be developed between that, whether it's a high school coach you know, quarterback coach or coordinator yeah. and a trainer like you. And I think you gave us some great suggestions today and what to look for, but also how yeah. to find those types of guys locally for your players as well. Um, I know you do a lot of Absolutely. work on, on the Internet as as well and analyzing some things and putting yeah. some ideas out there. So yeah. where can our listeners find you and also connect with you?
0: Although my uh, my social media game is, is – uh, average at best. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, at Will Hewlett. That's W I L L H E W L E T T. Just like the computer, but no relation, unfortunately, um, on Instagram. Uh, that's the same thing. I believe at Will Hewlett, you know, we'll do our best, um, help, you know, always offering, uh, you know, help, whether it's, it's breaking down film or consulting on, on, uh, what to do and what not to do. And, uh, we do a lot of, you know, video analysis through uh, huddle technique and, and uh, remote training, et cetera. So, yeah, hit us up. And, and any, anything that I can do to help, man, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy coaching. I enjoy learning. And coaches, too. You know, I'm always, always wanting to meet up and connect with coaches and learn about what they're doing and how they're doing. it. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity very much, Keith.
1: All right. Well, it was great to have you on the show, and I'm sure we'll talk in the future. All right. Sounds good. Thank you.